TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 569, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom, and I chair the communication department at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Six Degrees of Geek. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast calling in from Los Angeles. All right, let's start off with the show. Oh, sorry. Let's start off with the news. Tom, go ahead. Hit me. Apple TV Plus has renewed Acapulco for season three. CBS is doing another FBI uh, three-show crossover this spring. And So so Help Me Todd has been picked up for season two. Uh, We don't usually talk pilots, but CBS has a couple high-profile ones. They've greenlit a Matlock reboot pilot with Kathy Bates in the lead role. And Elizabeth Tashioni. Oh, okay. Sorry. Matlock is the last name. Because I was like, what? Never mind. Go ahead. Elizabeth Tashioni, played by Carrie Preston from The Good Wife and The Good Fight, is getting her own spinoff pilot. Uh, CW has announced its upcoming Gotham Knights series, has cast Ethan Embry and his real-life wife, Sonny Mabry, as Arthur and Crystal Brown, a.k.a. Clue Master, and his wife. Uh, Fox picked up Cleaning Lady for season three. FX has announced Never Let Me Go series is not moving forward. Hallmark Movies and Mysteries has begun production on The Cases of Mystery Lane, which is a husband-wife mystery show starring Paul Campbell, uh, the ill-fated Billy from Battlestar Galactica, and Amy Garcia from Lucifer. HBO Max canceled Pennyworth, and their cast-off shows including Westworld, Raised by Wolves, The Nevers, Time Traveler's Wife, Finding Magic Mike, Head of the Class, Legendary, and F-Boy Island are going to stream on Roku and Tubi, Tubi has exclusive rights to Generation, and there is still half of a season of The Nevers that we haven't seen yet, so it'll be good we finally do get to see that. Hulu is going to revive King of the Hill animated series from Mike Judge. They canceled Kindred, boo, and also Reboot, and Johnny Knoxville had some not-so-kind words for them for that. Blacklist will end with the upcoming season 10. Mercy kill. Yes, yeah, seriously. Uh, La Brea has been picked up for season three. Night Court has been Why? Picked up. Sorry. The ratings are huge. That's why. Mm. <laughs> Night Court. People went to see Jurassic Park 6, and that was terrible. Uh, Night, Court, <laughs> Night Court has been picked up for season two. Uzo Aduba will lead The Residence on Netflix, which is a screwball murder mystery set in the White House. The limited series Eric has rounded out his cast. its cast. Benedict Cumberbatch is being joined by Gabby Hoffman, Dan Fogler, Clark Peters, David Denman, and more. Phoebe Dynavor is exiting Bridgerton ahead of season three. Uh, that 90s show who, who, uh, Wait, wait, wait. Who is that for the Bridgerton? She's uh, the female lead from season one. Oh, well, she wasn't even Daphne, really in season Yeah, she wasn't really in season two. But yeah, anyway. Well, because the, she had like know, one scene. Her, her, dreamy, her dreamy husband was not in it at all. And she's going that way. Uh, that 90s show has been picked up for season two. Par- the big news, Paramount Plus is merging with Showtime. Ah, uh, yes. So uh, basically the linear version will be Showtime with, or sorry, Paramount Plus with Showtime, as will the streaming service. Uh, we have n- more news about the Frasier revival. It's going to be set in Boston. And uh, Tok's Ola Gundoye is going to play psych- the psychology department head at a university. I kind of suspect from everything they've been saying, it sounds like he's going to be shifting career- careers to become a university professor. That's my, that's my guess. Uh, 1923 has been picked up for season two. Showtime has canceled American Gigolo and let the right one in the series. Uh, the Dexter New Blood season two is dead on arrival. However, they're considering making a prequel series. Uh, Stars what? has picked Why? up. Why? Sorry. I don't know. I never got into Dexter. Sorry. Even when it was good. Um, Stars has picked up BMF for season three and Power Book Power Book Two Ghost 
for season four, and they're adding Michael Ely to the cast. And that's the Ooh, news. I like Michael Ely. Uh, let's start off with the shows, and we're going to try to stay on the clock and get through these shows as fast as possible to get to our last thing. Um, first up, we're going to talk The Rookie, and this episode, things happen that I don't remember anymore. I don't even know. Well, we, we finally have uh, the fiance played Jenna Dewan's character. We finally have her doing something related to her job instead of her. Oh yeah. They have the, they have the hitter that's trying to kill uh firefighters. firefighters. And I, th- I thought for a second she was going to get killed. And I was like, Oh, something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, Cause I really don't want to see their wedding at all. So I have a, the, I have a feeling that we, they're not going to make it to the altar. I'm hoping, fingers crossed. And so I thought that she was going to get killed. I, yeah, I feel like that. The only interesting th- thing to do at this point is to have yeah, it not yeah, happen. I agree. Um, but then the main uh, they were so they were going after the shooter for most of the episode, and then and that oh oh we uh, the rookie not the rookie the black guy who's a millionaire. No, Tim Tim had the had the oh race. right so Tim had to be part of that team, and they were hazing him a little, which yeah, I mean as hazing. Yeah, for Metro. I'm like, as hazing goes, that was pretty light. That was pretty light hazing. Um, But I was trying to think of... Go ahead. But he's good at his job, so they solve the case, and then he's invited to hang with them, and he's like, do I have a choice? Isn't it tradition that the new guy buys rounds for everybody? Yep. So he had no choice, but I mean, I don't know if I care about Metro, other than I think they might be crooked. Like that's Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I was... They're kind of like SWAT. I don't understand. Different different cities have different names for different things, so that's probably what it is. Um, the case, the thing that I really couldn't care about is oh, so it is SWAT. Well, it's it's similar. Yeah, I think it's similar to SWAT. I think you're right. Yeah, everybody doesn't use the same stuff everywhere. The 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 thing that I, the storyline I really didn't care about was about the 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 crooked judge and oh um, right. Well, it's we like, all, I am so sick of that whole thing. They need to put that to bed because it's not yeah. that interesting. No, and everything involved with right. him is boring. Houston, go ahead. What were you saying? I was just, I, what Tom said, everything that's involved with the Eli yes. character is just terrible. Yes. Anything that's involved with it. And and they uh, keep pushing it. I mean, we're not going to not get it because right. obviously the show has been written. But um, yeah, it, it you know, and they're trying to do sort of a... And they think for some reason that it's interesting. Yeah, and it's a starfish kind yeah. of a thing where like... What is the... what? Oh, I said that it was like a starfish storyline where it's like he's like the main kind of thing and then there's like offshoots of it. You know what I mean? And and like what, we don't care about any of it. We don't oh, care about right, any right, of right. You know what I mean? Whether it's the couple Agreed. or it's the judge. Agreed. Like, I just wanted... One thing I wanted to talk about before we move on real quick is uh what's the black guy's name who's not a rookie anymore um oh, he's the, a millionaire yeah the one whose family is rich I forget. Yeah, yeah yeah so the thing i actually thought was hilarious was he broke off with his mom and he's like okay i'm gonna have to survive on my own salary now how do i do that he's like i can't even buy an apartment and just listening to him struggle about that and he's like at the end he's like oh never mind i decided i didn't want to be destitute or something <laughs> and he just like made up with his mom to so get his money and she's like wait a minute i'm not destitute like that was really that was pretty good i like that yeah it was good comic um, but let's move on uh we're trying to crank through these shows real quick uh, next up, we're going to talk Will Trent, and this episode, I don't even remember what the case was entirely. I think it was a convoluted case. Is that what you, Houston, I well, remember were, you told me there was I a bunch of plots. I said it doesn't matter. There were the two cases. Go ahead, Houston. Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying to Libya after we saw it, or she saw it, or no, I, I finished watching it, and I thought, oh, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I go, in, in this moment, and I had finished watching the show like 15, 20 minutes earlier, I was like, yeah, I don't remember what the case was about. Um, and I think that that absolutely is symbolic of the show for me. And it sounds like such a big diss, but really it's, it's really a compliment in the fact that there are 95,000 procedurals out there. I don't think there's anything that we can really see, or I care about, you know what I mean? In terms of, although later we'll talk about poker face and I'll say something about the, the plot kind of the, the, uh, the stories there but as far as the case is concerned i really don't care and i thought that the episode was really great in terms of doing what it does best i think which is exploring the relationships not being so stereotypical you know the relationships and and uh 
the acting is very nuanced, especially for a show that, like I said, is based around a police procedural. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't think uh, it's it's a, not a regular show. You know, uh, it might have regular cases. What I Well, let's get into what actually really worked, which sure. was for him, he was upset about all the stuff going on with his girlfriend. And, what was, and so he was like breaking walls with hammers and stuff like that and making really crazy bets with other cops. And it, it was affecting his behavior in a way that he wasn't used to. And you talk about subtlety, that was kind of the subtlety in his acting. And I like that his partner was like, what is going on with you, man? Like, what's happening? Yeah. And I, I thought, thought that, was, that was really interesting. Go ahead. I thought it was interesting at the beginning of the episode where she left the door ac- open accidentally. So he's like really upset with her and reading her the riot act. And, that, and the dog hasn't left the house. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah. I was like, did you guys search the house before you freaked out? <laughs> <laughs> Call the dog. Um, oh wait! I but yeah, it, I thought I thought that the episode was good. Wait, I just want to say because you're talking about the okay. do- the door being open and that I thought that was really great exploration uh, of their relationship uh, about how and quickly it was all in one episode how um, she was looking for an out, you know, to kind of leave the relationship, leave the house, and she kind of figures that Escape, out. I mean, she right. is actively in recovery. You know what I mean? And so then they're not really supposed to be in right. deep, meaningful relationships. So even that aspect, her own stuff, his own stuff, their own stuff together, I find that it rings really true um, and that it's really, like I said, uh, nuanced and probably more sophisticated than I would have expected from a cop procedural. Yeah, I would agree. That's what I'm liking about it. Yeah. So, But uh, any last comments, Tom, before we move on? I thought it was interesting that the artist was like throwing herself at will, and he's just like, "Yeah, not not interested." Oh I, yeah, she like shows I mean, up in a bathrobe. Yeah, well, no, I mean he gets her out temporarily, and then she like takes a shower and shows up in a towel. It's like, well, you don't have to take me back. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't think he would even be remote. I was like, you've tried this on the wrong cop. Like yeah. <laughs> his brain does not work the same way. All right. Uh, so we're saying thumbs up for Will Trent. Uh, oh, next yeah. up, we're going to sure. talk about Poker Face. And I'm going to preamble this. We're supposed to talk about episode three and four, but I thought four was so bad that I don't, I have no inclination to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it at all. So I want to talk about five. So we'll talk about three and five. Um, and also I did an experiment that I want to, because I was so angry at four, uh, <laughs> and mainly it was because for the the, they tell you, they show you the murder, the way the show is set up. They show you the murder first, and then you meet uh, our main character, and then we kind of rewind time and then go forward until she figures out something's wrong. And because in the episode four, they I looked at the clock. It was 20 to 25 minutes of the preamble way with the band. Too much set up. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was way too much set. I was like, why are we spending so much time? And it irritated me so much. So I decided going into five... I was like, I'm going to skip it. I'm going to skip the preamble and then find the spot where she starts. Cause I was like, I want to see if I can still follow the story, if it's good. And five was really good. Like, and I told, I skipped the first 10 minutes. Oh, I found have. the spot. I, I, that's fine. I found the spot where they were sealing up a body that I didn't recognize cause it was really fast. And then the story started and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it without the preamble. And, well, I saw um, the preamble and I thoroughly I was like, enjoyed wow, it. Wow, that worked way better. Yeah. Oh, so I'm did sure. I. In fact, I, what I liked about that that particular preamble, I don't want to, you know, jump the gun to go to five. No, no, go ahead. Look, we're, let's talk about five. Where I, I, I broke that mold. Go ahead. Okay. So, we're so um, about three. what I, what I, we are, we're going to talk about three. Go ahead. What I what I liked is that if you do watch the preamble, you're kind of on the their side. It's like you know you just you assume because you you get to like both these two ladies. They, they seem cool just the way that that she thinks that they're cool. And so when they decide to kill this guy who who you don't know anything about, you just you you think to yourself, okay, well you know I bet he deserved it. And, and you're kind, of, you're kind of thinking, well, oh, it's probably going to turn out that she'll 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 find them out, but then maybe you know feel bad that she has to to you know reveal them because yeah. they're 
both cool ladies or something like that. And when you actually learn what really went down, it completely changes your view of, of what actually right. happened, which I thought was, was really, really well done. And because normally, yeah. you know, from the beginning, it's not only what was done, but why but it was why? done and how horrible the people are who were involved. And right. this, yeah. in this case, it, it did a flip and I really appreciated that. I will say though, even having not watched the preamble, I got the same impression because I was like, oh, these women are really cool. They're fighters, they're rebels. And I really like them too. And so when the reveal happens, I felt the same thing. So I got all those points, even the way I watched it. Hmm. Uh, Yusin, go ahead. What were your thoughts of uh, five? I will say that, um, you know, I agree very strongly with uh, Allison, but since you did what you did and you're saying you didn't miss out on that, um, I will, I won't talk about your method to your madness. Um, but <laughs> I will say that, um, I, that is the strongest part about the show that I, I do like. Um, and I didn't see the episode that you guys all hated. And now I'm very interested in going back to see how horrible it was. But for me, um, this episode both annoyed me and made me really like the show. I thought the plot was excellent. Um, I thought the twist, like uh, Allison said, that, um, you know, in this episode, we I, I thought, oh, okay, in this case, we're, you know, going to sympathize very much so, you know, uh, with, with the characters. Um, and then it turns out these are some really tough ladies who, at the end, I, I it would be hard to believe that two of them, one wheelchair bound, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know, octogenarians or septuagenarians could take her on. Yeah, I thought that. But well, the well, first way of all, they I, did it, and then she. Well, the, the one did, in the wheelchair but, pulled herself up a wall to to kill a guy. So yeah, if she can do that, I know. <laughs> listen they it was they they did a nice job they um they threw in that line that made it believable and these are the things i always ask of a show right just give me a chance to believe what you're showing me and she was like that's how we did it in prison and i was like <laughs> oh that totally makes that sense she knows how to do you know what I mean? Yeah. She knows how to fight dirty. She is tough as nails. But, and, but and this is the situation. For a long time. But this is the so situation. I 100% was like, okay, I believe this. But hold on. This is basically what I was talking about way back in episode one, where our main character is dumb and lets the villains know that she knows that they kill somebody. And then they legit try to kill her. I was like, this is exactly what I was talking about. She gets a bomb put that in her is... cart. She gets, they try to kill her. And I was like, break, break what, lines what are you? Yeah. 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 I was like, what are you doing? So I just. Uh... Yeah. Well, this is so apparently that, that... a feature of the show is that I, I, what I realize is that this, this literally happens in every episode where she lays out her cards and then gets her life threatened. That is apparently part of the structure. Yeah. And, and she hasn't learned anything. Come on. No, my problem with the show, I saw three and 103 and 104. My problem is on Columbo, because he he's stationary, it's the same city, we see whomever, big, guest, big name guest star of the week, commit the crime, and then Columbo's called to investigate. With hers, the structure is kind of lopsided because they want to show the crime first, and then, and 20 minutes for episode four, which was nuts, and then we see how she fits in that specific situation. They need to tinker with the structure because it needs to be more balanced. And they really need to have her. Yes, she says, like in the pilot, that she's not very smart. But this is her superpower, the ability to tell if somebody's lying or not. But it's really getting formulaic. And because episode four was so god-awful, I was just, I'm like, shoot me. Because I knew what everything was going to happen. It was so bad. It was so bad. That's so, why I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So with three, what what did you like about three real quick? I, I thought the guest cast was fun. You know, little Ray is the bad guy because he's charismatic. The barbecue. And, yeah. And the yeah. barbecue. Yeah. And, and the, oh, the Oak, the Oak joke was fantastic. The sister-in-law slash wife was in on the plot. Right. But I love the Oak deal because he's like crying because he's become vegan and i was like what i was like <laughs> and at first i thought maybe she did something I was like, but that doesn't make any sense she loves she did, me though. too much yeah i know she but that, but that was i that was, what the I, thing. What I thought was what i thought was so hilarious about it when they started talking about you know going seeing these dvds and somehow for some reason 
she just happens to have like the PETA collection in the back of her car. <laughs> I literally pulls out everything that, you know, is, is like anti-meat um, and, you know, pro-animal rights and everything like that, ending with Okja, which is like the ultimate. And, oh and I just I fell over laughing. I couldn't stand it. it. Was It was just so preposterous, but also just so It was funny. so good. That was, that was actually this, the best joke. I thought this was just a really funny episode altogether because this is the same episode where they have the Nazi dog. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just oh, yes! the Oh my God, I was so angry at that The show. whole scene in the car where she's ranting I thought that dog, dog was dead though. Uh, well, yeah, because it looks like it. And then apparently you can't kill evil. So the dog is <laughs> <laughs> fine. Um, oh, that actually, was great. You know, the, I, think, I don't know if that I was a metaphor really turned out, or something else. I think what it really turned out was that it, it wasn't so much that the dog was was a Nazi as that he was listening to the voice of one guy who he he just happened to have a a a, 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 a bond a with or whatever for, a bond with right and so he just no matter what voice the guy was doing he recognized it as the same person and that's what he was reacting to. Not the fact that. that he was such a horrible racist. Um, uh, but we got we got to move on. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. So, still thumbs up ish for Poker Face, at least episodes three and five. Um, not yeah, so much before. I, I didn't hate four as much as you did, but it still was kind of a failure. Overall, I I really like this show. I mean, yes, it is formulaic. And yes, four was too. definitely not one of their shining moments, but I think I think overall it's a, it's a very funny, fun, watchable show. Well, let's move on. Next up, uh, we're going to talk about Mayfair Witches, and this episode was better. Um, I liked that we got to see what's his name, um, Lasher. Lasher's power. Yeah, because he really got to exert his power on everybody. He was floating people. He was having them all locked in this house. He was teleporting people across town. We really got to see the extent of what he could do, but we still don't really know why he's doing what he's doing or what the 13th witch means or anything like that. Um, but we did really get to see uh, the measure of his power and his hallucinations and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Okay, I can see Tom is saying no. What, what are you thinking, Tom? I do not like how this show is constructed, the writing, because they did the old X-Files thing. Instead of picking up where the cliffhanger ended from the previous week, we jump forward, and then we find out, ooh, it's a narrative trick. And there's no reason they couldn't have told that story in a more linear way, because you're basically trying to say, oh, we're smarter than you, audience. And it's like, no, you're not, because I knew exactly where you were going, and it was annoying. Instead of, why not tell it in a more linear fashion? There were no real surprises. Well, except that I think in that particular case, uh, the hallucination part of it was more important than the narrative at the beginning. I actually disagree with you on that. Yeah, but I mean, you said you've read the book. Did the book try a similar narrative trick at this part in the storyline? I'm sure it's not even the same, probably. Well, you never know. She um, she didn't see she hasn't she's not caught up on the episodes. So. Oh, she's not. Okay, yeah. I just I mean there were no I knew exactly what was going on, and I just thought you're not. I don't think these writers are that good. You know, I just don't, especially compared to the interview with the vampire writers. I think they are much better quality writers, much better better storytellers. I thought it was needlessly convoluted. Because they spent so much time in the hallucination, and they ended up where we knew it was going to end up anyway. So I just I, I, I don't I don't agree with you on that. Yeah, I well, mean I agree with you that the writers of Interview the Vampire are better. I, I'm agreeing with you on that. Well, but uh, yeah, clearly they're better writers. But I thought this story worked. I thought that the I didn't think it was overly convoluted at all. Um, I enjoyed the story for what it was, and it had a. I thought it had a fairly strong narrative. Um, yeah, I, as I, far agree as... With, I agree with you on that. Um, I think, yeah. I think uh, you know, I agree with Tom overall in that, you know, the, the writing for this has been really pretty slapdash. Mediocre. And, and very, yeah, very mediocre. And I, I also think, you know, I finally did catch up with last week's episode. And I agree with you, Libya, that it, it is a huge 
improvement over what, because finally things are actually happening. And right, I, right. I think that they really, they could have cut out everything that happened before and started it with that episode and they would have had a better show, but, uh, but they didn't. And, and I think that goes to the, the idea that they really aren't sure how to approach this material. Um, I think this last episode, I didn't, I didn't really mind where it started with the hallucination, although the instant yeah. it started, I went, oh, we're doing the hallucination thing. Now. Right. They're going to be started. They're going to be going through this for a while until they figure it out and blah, 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 because how many shows have we seen where they go this route? I mean, I guess it's Lots. because we have we have seen so many um, supernatural sti- type storylines uh, that, that this has become now a trope that there's nothing surprising about this. But I, and I, I don't know how you'd get around that, that anyway, but it it was, I thought for what it was, it was well done. It kept me engaged. Um, I thought that it was interesting, like, like you said, Libby, about seeing uh, Lasher's power. Although it does make Mm -hmm. me question if he is this overwhelmingly powerful, why is he subservient to the witches? Um, I think he's, I think he's he's subservient. I think uh-huh. he's infatuated with them because he's got ulterior motives. Well, he oh, yeah, does he's help, got clearly he has yes. ulterior motives, you know, with right. the thir- 13th witch and the whole thing. But he, he, it seems to me that he is in some way, he he needs something from them. Yeah, but I also think he has to, remember, he has to bond with the witch. So once she put on the, yes. the thing, I think his power is linked to their power. Yes, so and he's restricted to see- that person. I mean, just like they, when, when they, they moved her to uh rowan to another city and you know kept the the necklace on her mother um he was bound to the mother and he was bound to the house and couldn't leave that until um she took that necklace off so you know and they tried to do the same thing with with the uh the housekeeper but she's not a a mayfair so it didn't it didn't work with her correct so I thought that the, all of that is is working really well for me, at least. Um, and I think part of the reason why he he I think he gets his power from her partially because he said she wouldn't be floating if you didn't want it to happen. This house wouldn't be locked if this and that. Like so, some of the things I think he is deriving some of his power from her. So I I, I don't know. I'm I'm waiting to see what happens, but we we got to keep moving. I want to keep rolling with this. Uh, there's no need to. Beat a dead horse, as they say. Uh, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I'd say mixed reviews for Mayfair Witches. Let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk Shrinking. And this was episode three. And this was uh, Harrison Ford being awesome uh, <laughs> in this episode because I really liked that uh, we start off with the other woman. in the- getting the Emmy. Houston <laughs> is already nominating him for an Emmy. Um, but I like that he it's I want it here. I'm not nominating him. I'm awarding him the award. <laughs> I am not nominating him. He's getting okay, it. then um, what I really liked was it starts off with this woman who's driving this brand new car and Harrison Ford immediately hits her. And oh, it's it, the- this ep- this episode was really kind of just dealing with him dealing with his Parkinson's um, diagnosis and what it how it impacts his life, how it impacts him emotionally and how he's spreading some of the wisdom that he's learned from dealing with it to other people to help them as well. I think if you think of it that way, that's kind of the center. I think that really works for this episode. It, it, it was, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you. It was also about uh, processing grief. Yes. But I mean, that's what that, but that's the whole thing. But but that's the whole series. And also the, for him, Well, no, no, no. but but the grief for him was that his diagnosis. So yes, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the same thing. Right. The great thing about the show isn't just about Steven Siegel of Jason Siegel's (laughs) um, grief. What I was going to try to say was it's about grief and all the different manifestations, the different types of grief, the different people are, you know, experiencing it. He, uh, he was experiencing the death of his life, uh, the way of life for himself, right. you know, the way he lived his life, the way he wants to live his life. He ne- is processing that he needs to accept a new normal. Right. And that's the same thing. The new normal of being without a wife, the new normal about uh, being a divorced woman, Gabby's you know what I mean? Line. So like, yeah, at, you know, I think at first we were, yeah, I think at first we were, uh, you know, I think at least me, I thought, okay, it's not super annoying, but we're going to just go through a season right of him dealing 
with the loss of his wife. And then, you know, and then we'll see it through the eyes of his coworkers. We'll see it through the eyes of his daughter. But the show is way more sophisticated than that. They are absolutely using their, uh, you know, their other uh, characters. Um, I do have a little bit of a grief. Uh, you know, I have a little bit of a, a problem with the gay best friend. I'm so tired of the... 20 years of what you know back 20 years ago when they wanted to introduce quietly sort of backdoor sort of way of you know the a gay character and they were like well we're gonna make him really funny and we're gonna make him really you know happy-go-lucky and they even addressed that in the show uh last week about how he didn't want to be around him because you know he was too happy in his grief and i thought that was really that was great that was actually excellent but even outside of the his role in terms of being the best friend in the grief situation, he's just like a bright shiny penny, and he's kind of like the court jester. And I'm and that to me is a little too you know uh, rote and a little too tropey. So that and I love the actor, you know I think he's a great actor, and I've seen him in lots of things. But so it was a little disappointing. It is a little disappointing for me that a show that I think is really excellent the writing is fantastic the acting is great um there's a lot of i'm using this word a lot this you know uh this podcast nuanced okay last thing i just i have to put in another thing for harrison ford who knew that he was this funny i did i mean who we did not associate <laughs> him with parody I mean, <laughs> I mean he's funny on in interviews because he's he used to always be high but like you know, as far as, you know, him doing actual professional writing work, I am loving Working this. Girl. Somebody Check else. it out from the late 80s. Oh, that's right. Good point. He's hysterical. Um, but, oh, my God. I love that okay, uh, but, I but love Tom, it. Go ahead. Your, th your thoughts. It. We got to keep we got to keep rolling. Still, keep rolling. I, I thought that uh, you son's observation that in addition to Jimmy dealing with the death of his wife, you've got Gabby dealing with the death of her marriage and then also Paul dealing with the death of life as he know as he knows it. So. It, I really like the show. And the thing is, I think Allison said this last week, Michael Yuri basically plays a version of himself in almost everything he appears in. So that's, he, he basically plays, you know, the, you know, the wacky gay best friend. So I don't begrudge him that, but it is kind of, if you look at the cast design, it's kind of a welcome relief because otherwise he, he has a, a way of throwing a little bit of chaos into everything he does. Like when he shows up at Gabby's house with the balloons <laughs> And oh right! The party, and they're the all crying, party. and then Jimmy's like, "No!" and he's like, "Oh!" and he throws the balloons aside. So, but I love the show. Okay, uh, Allison, you're any cool? It's still comic relief. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk uh, Wolfpack, and this was episode two, which was uh, pretty much just as bad as episode one. Uh, the only thing that I will say that has me slightly, and I say this cautiously, slightly intrigued is that Sarah Michelle Keller's character, she had this thing that she was doing when she got introduced to all the characters. She was like, you know, aren't you going to shake my hand? And the parents are like, yeah, shake her hand, shake her hand. And so she shakes the, the, the teen boy's hand. And then when she meets the other girl at her hotel, she's on the ground. She's like, you know, she sticks her hand out forever to shake her hand. And I was like, oh, is she like a werewolf detector? Like, I feel like she, there was a motive behind her wanting to shake their hands and then the way it all wraps up at the end when she you know she takes them all into custody and i think not custody like not custody what, i what is she i looked it up in california you were allowed to interview and a minor without parental consent in a non-custodial setting so okay whatever she she grabbed both of them let's I, i'm not going to be particular all i'm going to say is she grabbed both of them put them in police cars and i think it has to do with i'm hoping by the third episode they will reveal a little bit about her so that we know what we're dealing with but the uh the rest of the story the rest of the actors are not particularly good or interesting or captivating or whatever like i don't particularly care about what's going on with that story other than i want to see what she's doing this is a terrible show here, here it is just it has here it here's, has, how I, here's how i will define it has, it. Let, me, let, let, let me finish ahead, it has basically zero redeeming qualities and that includes sarah sarah michelle geller who i really love but man did she does she need the 
payments for the mortgage. She and Freddie Prince are still together. So, and he's doing a lot of voiceover work, but it's all these supernatural shows are acting like we've never seen a supernatural show before. And it's like, get to the point people. And this is, this is developed by the same guy who did Teen Wolf and it's got none of the charm of Teen Wolf. I mean, the and actors, acting, like the, the actors he picked are blowing me away. They're, I'm like, they're, in that they're, they're bad. Great. They're, they're yeah. not great. They're, they're like you know CW. They're, they're old school CW pretty. They're like old school CW pretty. Do you know what I mean? They're like, I mean, neither one of those girls can pull their shirt down. <laughs> like every, every scene was like, them wearing a crop top and one one of them was wearing something that looked a little bit and i am not a prude guys i am not a prude but it was like i don't it was and weird the, it was like they were excessively and and, and and the gay the gay werewolf and the guy he's apparently crushing on at the gym the two of them looked so much alike like generic in in oh my god i thought I just I thought that what template. are you doing? Yes, I was. I, it's I a bad, bad that. show. Yeah, it is terrible. Here, here's all I will say because I know Libya wants us to move on. Why, why beat a dead horse? Here's this is literally what I. This is symbolic. I left in the in the middle somewhere in the or one third into the show, and I I was like I'm really hungry. I was like I'm gonna make a sandwich, and I was like this show's not worth pausing. And so I thought, well, I won't be that long. So I went and I like made a sandwich and I came back and I thought, ugh, I still have 15 minutes and left you in this show. Nothing. I was like, I was like, ugh, I wish my sandwich making was long. Okay, let's nothing. move on. No, I know that's let's my point. Move so then I was like, on the people. Thank I'm not you. watching it. Thank you. I'm gonna keep watching because my love for Sarah is more than yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> the next up, we're gonna talk the arc. And uh, I'm blaming Allison for this because she told me it's a sci-fi show that's in space and it's a colony ship and she wanted to see it. And I was like, all right, great. That sounds awesome. And then I was like 20 minutes in. I was like, oh, my God, the show is bad. So, Allison, I'm going to let you talk first since it was your uh, your fault. Since that my I was fault. Subjected. Yeah. Now, yeah, I remember I just described what it was. I made no promises about this show whatsoever. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. And I, I have never seen, you know, even even the even Wolfpack, I, I swear to God, took me longer to figure out this is garbage than, than this did. I, I would, I mean, once we got past the, the, explosion at the beginning and and you know everybody running for their lives and all of that as soon as people started taking off their helmets and talking to each other i went oh my god what are we watching it's supposed to be a colony ship with only the best and the brightest and the smartest and the most capable and everybody is like a scientist and instead it's like we're in high school and I mean, they're walking around hallways. They might as well be carrying their books with them and stopping at their lockers because every single character is a stereotype of some god-awful high school, you know, we, trope. We've got the nerdy kid. We've got the the that talks a mile a minute and that talks a mile a minute and is the most annoying character you've ever seen in your life. Oh Continue. God, right. it's it's crazy. And the thing is, she's acting, especially the one who was talking mile a minute. She's going into this this monologue. This is moments after they almost died. And instead right. of instead of everybody acting traumatized like they almost died, they're acting, you know, she especially her, they have her acting like she's the new kid in school and just really right. nervous about wanting to be liked. And yep. it's it's don't you realize what setup you've got here? This is not the situation that that these people are supposed to be reacting to. Oh, um, my favorite is is the the prom queen who they're oh. told that they only have three weeks worth of water. It's going to take them a year to get to the planet. They have three weeks worth of water. They're going to have to ration. And her first response was, yeah, rationing water is cool, but I need a shower. And so she goes into, and I was like, are, are you kidding? What? And also it's kind of ridiculous. I guess nobody assumed that people were that dumb to take a shower when the water was that, you know, precious. Mm -hmm. um and then the whole power plays everybody's playing against each other and then and then on top we have a murder and i was like oh my god it was it was it's terrible and it looks terrible the the halls look like you know pre-star trek 
everything is white and and there's no detail in anything and it's shot with with lighting like a cafeteria i mean at least you figured they'd be smart enough to turn the lights down so you'd get some atmosphere going right but it's not right. it lo- looks like an old episode of doctor who it's just yeah. that terrible looking and this the cgi yeah. is bad it looks like you know it, it's it's weeks from being done um, and, and, but the worst thing about it is, is the writing and the acting and, and the acting is just horrendous. I don't think they got a single actor, not one who, who actually can act, deliver a performance. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I, but I think that the, the but is. the, but the writing is the part that made me like the acting, if the writing was halfway decent, I could have withstood some of the acting, but the, like the way they depicted stuff. By the time I got to the end of the first episode, I was like, "Yeah, no." Yeah. Like once they got to to the murder and everything, I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" It um, took a the struggle whole... for me to just get to the end of the episode. It really oh, did. Man. I felt like turning it off so many times. I'm not going to disagree. I, I had a couple points too, and I but I was like, "No, no, no. Maybe it's and uh, no." Anyway, so thumbs down for the arc. Oh, Let's move way on. Down. We watched uh, it, so you don't have to. <laughs> Next up, we're going to talk The Watchful Eye, and they and this is a show on Freeform, and they put out two episodes, and it's more of a thrillery ghost thing. And I will, I will start off by saying that uh, I was not a fan of this. I didn't particularly like it, especially the part where the premise is like there's a hidden treasure of a ruby somewhere in this building and go in and pretend that you're going to be a nanny so you can search the place. But then, and that's fine. If that's the story, that's fine. And there's some secret organization, watchful eye guys. That's also fine. But then they're like, but the building is haunted. So now they're trying to add in some little horror tropes. And it's like, these writers have never seen a horror film. Like I was like, what, how, how do you not know how to do like scary moments like they're like there's like these pipes that are making metal noises and she turns around really fast like oh my god what's that i was like oh my god that was not scary at all and they end the first episode but she hears a noise outside of her bedroom she opens the door she looks outside and the camera pulls back from her da done i was like there's nothing there what what's the scary thing i don't get it like they don't understand how to make a scene scary and it was very frustrating. I was like, either do or do not. Like, if you can't do this, pull off the scary part. Don't try to pull off a scary part. Just do the thriller part. So that was, and also the lead chick is terrible. So. <laughs> Tom, Ryan, you've been trying to talk. Ryan, Ryan Seacrest is one of the executive producers. Do I need to say more? <laughs> no, that's it. I saw his name and I was like, I was very surprised. I was like, wait, what? Must I was be like, part how of the American work? Idol deal. <laughs> I, I was like, how does that work? And it works as... He was like, hey, let's make this thing scary. And they, my only thing I can figure out is they must not have shot it scary. And then they tried to make it scary after the fact. Like, it does not work at all. So I'm done talking. Uh, Allison, you go ahead. Um, I guess I liked it better than you. I'm not saying that this is a good show. But (laughs) I was was entertained by it. And it it actually is all the the ghost stuff that, that I'm there for. If this had just been a thriller about her, you know, being, un, you know, taking on this, this uh, personality to, you know, pretend that she's a nanny and look for a ruby, which I'm, and, and do you know how big that ruby would have to be to actually be worth all this nonsense? Because rubies are not generally the most expensive of, of gems. Um, it's, it's just absurd. But um, th- all that aside, if that had been just what the story was about, I think I would have checked out after about 15 minutes because I found that really boring. And she is is genuinely not good at all yeah. in the role. She's a terrible actress. Um, so I, it's hard to sympathize. However, when they started in with the kind of turning of the screw stuff with, with the supernatural things, that kind of, that's my wheelhouse. So I, I'm, I'm there for that. Uh, you know, it depends on how well they handle it. So far, it's kind of, uh, but um, it's enough to keep me engaged. I, I was I was entertained. I wasn't scared by anything, but I was entertained <laughs> by all the, the ghost stuff. And depending on what, um, I mean, we can sort of tell what the mystery is going to be. Um, but it's if, depending on how they handle it, um, 
I'm I'm in, you know, and I like Amy Acker and she's she's fun to watch in this. Uh, so it's yeah, for me, I'm I, I would say depending on how much you like ghost stories. Um, this is not it, a good one, though. It's I'm, no, I'm not going to say it's one of the <laughs> timeless uh, entries in in that genre. But what I, I I would say that it's it's diverting. You know, if you're if, especially now when there's so little to watch on TV, it was enough for me to to keep watching it and go, okay, this I'm I'm engaged for an hour. I wish the writing was better. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting yeah. is. Warren Christie, who who kind of started his career as like the uh, as like the Canadian uh, less expensive version of the dude from Lost, okay. he plays he plays the widower of the uh, you know the rich woman who mysteriously jumps to her death, and then Amy Acker plays uh, her sister his who's sister. overly controlling. And then Kelly Bishop is their aunt, and she's awesome from Gilmore Girls. She can still talk. She can make a mediocre script seem like Shakespeare. She does. She's that really wonderfully fun to watch. But she, I just, I don't like how they introduce the, I think they revealed too soon to the audience that the main character is not who she pretends to be by front-loading it with, they, that could have been, that would have been a better reveal at the end of the episode for the audience instead of curtains blowing like, woo. So uh... I, I actually got that from, you know, the trailer is actually better structured than than the show is. The actual show. The, the, and, and the trailer, I thought, why are you giving me this this spoiler? Because the way the trailer is put together, you see all of this stuff first and she seems innocent and like, you know, a real nanny. And it's only at the very end of the trailer that they reveal that she's not who she she says she is. Oh, and I'm thinking. Yeah, but but the thing is, it's like okay, well that that's interesting, but why are you giving me that spoiler? And it turns out it's not a spoiler. They let you know from the very beginning. But if they had structured it the way whoever was smart enough to do the trailer did, then that yes, I agree absolutely. That would have been much better if you only find out at the end that she's not who she says she is. Okay, we got to wrap this up. All right, uh, next up we're gonna talk uh, the Last of Us, and I'm gonna let Yusun go first since she didn't talk on the last one. Um, what did you think of, uh, this episode, episode three, which was called a long, long time? Yeah. Um, so let me start out by reminding everybody, uh, that I am a lightweight when it comes to violence, whether it be physical or emotional violence. So for me, thank goodness, uh, for reals. Um, that you, I mean, you pressed it very hard and, and, and rightfully so, uh, I had heard from all of you on the podcast, I think all of America and all of Twitter talked about, you know, how emotional this episode was going to be and how poignant and this and that and yada, yada. And, and I know it sounds like I'm being dismissive, but no, I just meant that I went in there fully armored, you know, um, and it definitely was a good thing for sure. But even if I wasn't, I will say this. I'm not saying that the world overreacted to how powerful and emotional it was. Um, and it, I'm not dismissing the storyline or whatever. I thought the acting was superb. Um, I loved that they gave flashbacks of how uh, they were all connected and related, you know, how they had dinner on the lawn or, you know, when they first met, they had lunch on the lawn um, and how the, the uh, Tess and uh, the, the other husband, the one, I can't Joel. remember their names, Bob, was it Bob? Um, Bill. It was Bill. Oh, it was Bill Joel? and Frank Bill and, and, Joel Frank, and, Bill. Joel and Joel and Tess. And Tess. Bill and Frank. Okay. Bob, Tom. I don't remember. So um, Bill and Tess became friends. And no, so it was I Frank was and really Tess lovely. became friends. Lit, like, oh, Frank and Tess. Okay. Frank and Tess. So, um, so, uh, you know, I thought it was even lit really well. Like, you know, it was really sunny and beautiful and the contrast. Here's the thing that I really like about the show. It does not engage in uh, the kind of like mourn porn or like violence where you're just like, ah, or like, oh, I mean, that can really be heart wrenching, right? I'm looking at you, um, uh, Walking Dead, um, you know, so, but eventually it's, you know, you kind of steal yourself up against it. So for me, um, I, nothing was ever in question. We knew, I, I knew they were going to die by the end of the episode. I actually knew very early on how they were going to die. Um, I thought it was sort of a nice twist that um, it wasn't about, uh, 
um, uh, uh, Bill uh, getting older and, and kind of being infirm, it turns out that the younger one, Frank, uh, and we don't really know. I mean, it seemed like it was MS to me, I'm guessing, but um, we don't know what he's suffering from, but he's in a wheelchair. So all of that is poignant, but not anything I haven't seen. Um, and then when, you know, the whole, like, he wanted to be euthanized, I knew immediately that uh, Bill and Frank were going to go together. And so I said this to Libya the other day. Uh, for me, it was the littler moments, you know, and uh, that were much more powerful. Uh, the fact that um, when he said, and I, I thought this was just lovely, uh, when he was like, I do not agree with this decision, you know, because he revealed, uh, you know, Frank revealed to Bill that he was also going to die with him. Um, and he says, listen, I don't agree with this. And he's like, but let's be objective about this. It's really romantic. And I thought, okay, I was not expecting that line. So there were a lot of little moments that were really beautiful. I thought um, when in the letter, and that's where it really killed me because nothing up to that point, minus the lovely lunch on the lawn, um, was anything that I didn't expect, even the crying when he told him that he wanted, you know, and he, again, a lovely line. Um, I want you to love me the way I want to be loved or need to be loved. And that really got to me because, you know, that's definitely something that happens in relationships. People love each other, but sometimes they don't love each other in the way they most need, you know? So it wasn't the lack of love and just hard decisions have to be made. So, but this is a pandemic. I mean, a, sorry, an apocalypse. A, so I will say this. They had the most amazing time, totally insulated from the horrors of this. So I wasn't that sad. They had 18 years. They lived a lovely life. You know, they were protected. So and they were old. So none of that was that sad. But I thought I'll, I'll finish up. I'll, I, I'll say that that letter was so powerful uh, and that Pedro's reaction I don't remember his character's name, was so powerful. And uh, that line where, uh, you know, uh, Frank talks about um, having Bill, purpose, you know, having Bill, found the one person. Flipping, the you're world. flipping them. Oh, Bill, Bill, sorry, Bill. Talking about the one person that, you know. Yeah, so Bill, Bill, bearded Bill. No, they're both bearded. Um, so um, how he talks about having found one person. <laughs> that was deserving of love and that he did it, you know, and he did it so well. And he, and he, you know, he, he had a purpose and he accomplished it. That is incredibly powerful because aren't we all looking for purpose in life, whether it's to love or this or that. So again, it always comes down to that. Last thing I will say is, um, you know, the reaction by Pedro, how he went outside to have his power cry uh, and he couldn't even, you know, he's still so stuffed up. Um, and, you know, and so that was really powerful that he couldn't even mourn in the way that he wanted to for for Bill or Tess. Um, and that realism when he said to um, the girl's name, uh, you know, when he's like, we're never talking about this. what is Ellie. Ellie? Oh, Ellie. So when he says to Ellie, we are not talking about this ever. And I thought, yeah, that's a very real reaction. So for me, it hit a lot of notes that were actually very personal. Uh, and so, so, so those were the things that made it very powerful for me. Well, I don't know what caused, you know, Twitter to go on fire or the rest of the world. I don't know what was, you know, but that was what it was for me. All right, Tom, go ahead. I thought it was a great episode and it's kind of a, it's kind of like, um, the, the, uh, premium series equivalent of a side mission. But because yes. it was such a great self-contained yes. story and um, no, you've got, it took me, I'm like, why do I know this guy? Why do I know this guy? And then I, I beat him. Oh, he's the dude from first season of, um, oh, the White thing. Lotus. Of White, White Lotus. Lotus. White Lotus. Yeah. Lotus right. In a completely different role. White Lotus. But I really bought, I really, it, it kind of reminded me of Up because you see yes. the relationship at various stages instead of being at the prologue, but that was the meat of the episode. And then, um, and, and basically kind of this, you know, the opposites attract, you know, the, one of the oldest romantic comedy tropes. But um, just when it takes the tragic turn toward the end, and when Joel and Ellie come and she finds the letter and starts reading it, it's like heartbreaking because, and I'm glad this is a, a thing that separates, you know, this show from that other outstate its welcome zombie show they would have shown us the bodies and they right. didn't they didn't and it was just great character great exactly. character study great writing and i read an interview with uh both ex both executive producers saying we made seriously we, we seriously deviated, devi deviated from the video game 
but we did it for a very specific reason. And of course, the fact that Ellie found the gun in a drawer and snuck it in her bag, I'm sure that's going to come back to bite her in the butt. <laughs> she found she found Chekhov's gun in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Allison. Allison, go ahead. Your your thoughts. What did you think? I, I thought this episode was absolutely brilliant from beginning to end and and also a very necessary break because I think you start to get, which is something that, that um, Walking Dead never really understood, you start to get, um, you know, apocalypse fatigue after a while. There's only so many shuffling zombies you can watch or cordyceps infected people, you know, going at you from the, the shadows. Before, and, and people dying left, right, and center before you, you just, you, you want to see just human beings interact. And this was such a human episode. I mean, it didn't forget that it's in the middle of the apocalypse. It, it came out of, of that. You know, it's two people who, who walled themselves up for safety throughout all of this. Uh, and, but, but it was so wonderfully human and quiet compared to everything that we've seen before. Um, the, I mean, they did do a fake out where there was that one nighttime attack and it seemed like, oh, so this is how one of them dies. And and then it turns out, no, actually, they live for 10 more years together. And it's not. And the one who's actually dying is not the one that you expect. Um, I, re I don't play the game. And so I knew very little about this scene other than uh, this this sequence, I should say, rather than one of them dies and there's a letter involved someplace. So I didn't know how any of this was going to play out. And I remember when, when they have that last night where they're, they're, they're in bed together, thinking to myself, wow, it would be so great if, if he just dies quietly in his sleep and we have a quiet end and nothing, you know, like cordyceps-ish happens, nothing, nothing about people firing guns at each other. It's just a quiet human end, and it doesn't end there. It ends with him deciding that that's the when he's going to commit suicide. But the the fact that they get to spend that that last moment together, that last day together, and be in each other's company and feel each other's love for one last time is so important to the show and so important emotionally for the audience and i was a mess watching this i was i was oh my god the room was so dusty i could barely see the tv it was just it was because it just it touched me on such a deep level because they decided to go there the route of of a human end which doesn't even require you know a, a, an apocalypse to be happening it's just two people being together and and being for each other and well it was it was it was wonderful i i loved that and then when we get right. the the letter at the end which you know is, is from bill not from frank to to tell joel you know i had this i you know hated people i i was so glad when the apocalypse happened because got rid of everyone but i was wrong <laughs> one person i mean he was which which actually says he's still a, a bastard to the end but just <laughs> not to one guy um but that's that was enough for him to keep going that was his purpose and he said joel you know you have a purpose and he was writing about tess but it's equally applicable to ellie and i think joel right. has to take the time to process it Oh, but it was it that destroyed me. The whole test angle. Yeah, that was Absolutely great. Destroyed me. I was going to say one thing I wanted to talk about real quick was the act, the level of acting on this show, on this episode in particular, because it's like it's a bottle episode. So we don't know these people, and we have to care about them very quickly. And what I thought what De, uh, Opera did yeah. was he plays this really grouchy character that's nobody like I would ever want to hang out with. But what I really liked is the scene at the piano when they're playing the, they're playing the the piano back and forth, and I, and the way that they were just kind of looking at each other. And I was like, are they going to make out on top of the piano? Like, what's happening? And I just really liked the kind of awakening for Offerman's character. I felt his like how nervous and inexperienced and how terrified he was of the whole idea of everything that was going to happen even on their first night like all of that and 
I thought he did such a good job of conveying that. And the other guy who plays Frank was so charming. And I had never seen White Lotus. And it made me go watch White Lotus, which I regret now because I totally <laughs> don't like that show. Um, he's, he's wonderful in it, though. His he character. Great he might be. Though. Yes, yes. And he might be, but I did not. I watched two episodes and I was like, yeah, I'm not watching more of this show. But he was good. I will agree. He was good. And that was, but I mean, my th- my point is his acting was so good in this episode. It made me go want to watch him in something else was really my point. Uh, so to me, you guys have all hit all the story points and all the emotional notes and everything. And I watched the show at like six. So I didn't really know what I was in for. I had no warnings and I went in blind and I've played the game and this was so different from the game. I still went in blind. Um, so yeah, this was so far. I mean, we're only three episodes in and it's, I, it's the best episode. And um, yeah. The quality of the show is fantastic. Yes. This was Emmy material. This is going to get nominated. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's, it's, uh, here's, yeah. here's what I will say. If here's what I will say. If I hadn't been warned so well by the world, I would still be on the floor crying. Like I a hundred percent was. I was I was prepared, but you know, and well armed. But even still, I eyeballed also. There were there, multiple scenes. I was able to stop myself, so it wasn't one continuous cry. But <laughs> if you added up all the times I broke out into tears, it was probably one big fat cry. So no, it was it was absolutely. I don't know if I made that clear because I was like, oh, I knew they were going to die. But the way they did it, and this is, I say this all the time. I just want to end by saying this. Even if you give me something I know is going to happen, even if you give me something that we've seen before and before, you know, I mean, on Titanic, the old people like kill themselves on a bed. Like, that's not the point. The point is just do it well, you know, just give me depth and breath and all of that. And that was what made the show so powerful, that episode, because it transcended the tropes. It transcended my expectation. It transcended my armor. It pierced my armor. So for it to do all of that, really shows how amazing that episode was agreed on all points all right so let's wrap this one up so apparently if you have not seen the last of us what the heck have you been doing because everybody else has watched it um and uh we're obviously giving it thumbs up we're gonna keep watching this uh this show has been fantastic uh so there we go if you guys have any questions or comments you can leave it at tv campfire gmail.com follow us on twitter on facebook you can listen to us on Six Degrees of Geek, Sci-Fi Radio, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.